You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I'm back in the old place, so we got no echo today. We shouldn't have any echo tomorrow, and then we'll figure out how it goes from there. But um, also, I guess it was an upload issue. I don't know. All I know is you didn't miss very much. It usually takes me about five minutes to say goodbye, and you missed about two minutes, so... And there was no outro to the uh, to the podcast, so you, you didn't miss that either, because I didn't have it on my laptop, and I really didn't have time to uh, go fishing around for it, because it's, it's not that big of a deal, in my opinion. But anyways, happy Tuesday. Appreciate y'all hanging out with me. We are in the... Uh, this is peak dead season. I've looked back at previous months, and um, June and July are just the absolute worst. I mean, it's... Listen, there's nothing... I mean, we had OTAs, so, you know, that, that, that'll get me through a little bit. But, I mean, you're talking summertime, vacations with the kids, you know, there's no school. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I'll leave that up for you to decide. Going off to, to Florida land or whatever. Fourth of July is coming up, which I'm super excited about. Got Father's Day coming up, which, gentlemen, if that doesn't include grilling and listening to the Packernet podcast, I mean, I guess I'm a little hurt by that. But, you know, I, I, I'm saying I get it. But um, for those of you still sticking through this period of Packers podcast season, you guys are, you might have a problem. (laughs) Like, I depend on you being here, and I'm even looking at you like, dude, why are you here still? (laughs) It's, well, I'll do my best to make it worth your while. I'm I'm hoping some crazy stuff happens, but we are, uh, we are rolling, rolling thin. Anyways, I did want to pick up where I left off yesterday. There were a couple of questions that I abandoned. I was kind of just running through the uh, the once-overs, things that I could just kind of ponder to myself and try to come up with an answer, as opposed to those that I need at least an hour to kind of look up data and things like that. But uh, also, there are additional questions. So we're going to run through that. I do have a couple other things I want to go through, so we'll kind of just see how this goes. And I see nobody jumped in and answered John's question. So, John, I apologize. I don't know anything about a concert in the summer of 2022 at Lambeau. But I um, hope it's great. Let, let me Google Did I try to Google it yesterday? Let's try that. That's usually a, a decent solution. We got the concert history of Lambeau Field. Paul McCartney was there in 2019. Walker McGuire, 2017. Um, Billy Joel, Andrew McMahon. In the wilderness? What the heck is that? Doesn't sound good. I don't know. Well, if SeatGeek and Ticketmaster don't know, then I think we're, I think we're, I don't think anybody knows. And um, 
the latest tickets they have, January 2nd, 2022, Minnesota Vikings at Green Bay Packers. So I got nothing for you, man. I tried. I did my absolute best, I promise. All right, so Jesse, I'm going to kind of, you know, I, I had a plan for how I was going to map this out for you. The question again is, what is the average sophomore season PFF increase or decrease for linebackers? I'm trying to figure out what to expect from Chris Mars or Kamal Martin. Usually what I would do in this situation, and I was, I was starting the process and I realized this is, this is, this is a little too much. And, and usually I do too much, but I don't know. Something in my brain just said, dude, just, just stop. But usually what I would do is I would take 2017, 18, 19, and 20, um, look at all the grades, and then look at um, grades and then increases, and then look at what year they were there so that you can kind of see uh, from year one, year two, year three, year four, and then just do this whole thing where it all gets averaged out. Sorry, we're not going to do that, but let's just do this instead. Let's just pick out the big names over the last couple years, and let's just see what they've done. Let's just let's just do that, all right? I think that's fair. And by big names, I mean just guys that you probably have heard of or guys that you know about, first, second, third round guys, whatever. And we'll go back several years. Again, I'm not going to have it averaged or have a mathematical statistical number for you, but hopefully this gives you kind of a picture of what has been happening um, over the last few years, I guess. And we'll do 2017 through 2020. So let's see, 2017, we'll do Jared Davis. Um, I guess we'll do this a little bit more scientifically and just kind of do a random sample since the guys that you're talking about are a mid-round guy and a late-round guy. So we got just a random group, but let's start with Jared Davis, first-round pick by the Detroit Lions. Um, his grades over four years, 52, 51, 38, 62. So, you know, there's that. Then you got Elijah Lee, who was a seventh round pick, 70, 58, 74, 73. Now he hasn't played very much, but again, there's, there's no growth. Uh, I don't, I don't know why he doesn't play more. I guess it's too small of a sample size. Forget it. Let's do Eric Wilson, the Vikings guy. He's an undrafted free agent. Um, and I think they just let him go. Such, it, it, was, it, it was a really weird thing where he was going to be like the replacement and then they decided, nah, let's just pay these old guys that are here, Barr and Kendricks and whatnot, and then, you know, we won't pay Wilson. But anyways, uh, 62, 66, and then 53. Obviously, decline at the end there. Jalen Reeves-Mabin, uh, fourth round pick, 68, 58, 54, 53. He went down every single year. Never really was that good. 68 was his best year. For the Lions in 2017, uh, Jayon Brown was a fifth-round pick for the Tennessee Titans as a starter for them. Um, some super great blue hair. 54, 81, which is a great sophomore bump, and then he just, you know, it was basically a fluke. He goes back to 68, 66, so not great, aside from, you know, one good year. Uh, Zach Cunningham was a second-round pick, 66, 68, 68, 60. Raekwon McMillan, which um, Miami had for a long time, laughed at me hysterically because when I would say Miami has terrible linebackers, they'd say that I was insane. Apparently, you don't know who Raekwon McMillan is. Well, he got cut after two years and went to Las Vegas and was one of the worst linebackers in football and didn't really play very much. But anyways, 60, 63, and 30. So that was my sort of random sample size. Not one of them was good aside from one guy who was sort of a mid-round guy that had one good year and then then fell off. So, you know, again, you can kind of see what I'm saying about linebackers. It's a really weird thing, and I, I don't really know what to make of it. 
other than it's just an impossible position and very few people can do it very well, right? Like I've said, you're, you're a, a defensive tackle, safety, corner hybrid. You have to be able to run really fast to get to the edge, but also shed offensive linemen that just ran in front of you, like push them out of the way and be able to tackle big, heavy guys like Derrick Henry. That's, that's one play. The next play, they're coming up the middle. You have to shed a really big offensive lineman and make a tack, tackle in the hole, not with a guy running laterally, but running full speed ahead right into you. And then on the next play, you have to be able to drop deep, you know, in the deep zone and cover a wide area. And on the next play, you got to follow a really fast running back or possibly a wide receiver or tight end into the slot and cover him as he runs routes. It's just, it's an impossible position to play. And so I'm not saying there aren't good linebackers, but, you know, usually really good linebackers are guys that specialize in one of those areas and they do a really good job in one of those areas, but they probably still don't grade out super well because in those other areas, they're just not very good. If you look at this entire draft class in 2020, of the guys that played any amount of snaps, let's say a minimum of 100 snaps, the best was Jayon Brown for Tennessee, 66 overall grade. Which is also why I'm impressed with Kamal Martin, because he comes out and gets like a 70-something or whatever his grade was, even though he didn't play very much. And it's like, dude, that's that's pretty good. Um, looking at 2018, there's actually quite a few big names in 2018 for linebackers, so I want to rip through these guys pretty quick. Obviously, you know about Oren Burks. His grades have been some of the worst in football. Uh, he hasn't really played very much, but they, that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the grades, I guess. 44, 45, and 28 over his three years, so it went down in 2020. His his snap counts have also gone down. So, I mean, for anybody saying I think Oren Burks could have a breakout, I mean, I guess it's possible with a new defensive coordinator who's a linebacker's coach. Maybe it's just he's been asked to do things that he can't do very well, and now he's going to be put into a better position. We drafted him in the third round for a reason. He can do something, but... Um, the fact of the matter is he's gone basically backwards every year, and his snap counts have gone down just about every year. It took a little bit of a bump last year compared to 2019, but he started at 126. Last year was 96. Um, Sean Dion Hamilton, another Detroit Lions linebacker. They take a lot of swings at linebacker. They're actually a pretty good case study for a team that has, quote-unquote, taken the position seriously and have drafted linebackers consistently, including early in the draft, and still have terrible linebackers. So it's it's clearly not a matter of if you just draft a first or second round linebacker, then we would would have better linebackers. It's not true. I just went over Jared Davis, who was their first round linebacker, who is terrible. But here's so we went over two linebackers they drafted last year who are both bad. The next year they take one in the sixth round, Sean Dion Hamilton, um, 53, 74, and then 36 this past year. So again, there's that big sophomore spike, which is like, oh man, they got somebody and then they fall off, which is the second time we've seen that. The only two guys that have had one good year only had one good year and then fell off. And it's in that second year, which is kind of weird. Uh, Micah Kaiser was a pretty big name. He didn't get drafted until the fifth round, um, and he didn't really start until 2020. So it was kind of weird. But his first year start, and he comes out, he's ready to rock and roll. He had a 40 overall grade. So that stinks. Tremaine Edmonds was a 16th overall pick uh, in the first round. But there's another one where Buffalo Bills fans were like, dude, Tremaine is a good linebacker. You're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. He's fantastic. His grades over three years, 57, 59, and then 41. So most of these guys are getting worse as time goes on. It's just, it's really weird, and it kind of stinks. You got Leighton Vander Esch, which is a super weird case because he was hyped up big time. 
got drafted at 19 overall. I didn't really see it. I wasn't a big fan of his, but he was massively hyped up. He got drafted by Dallas in 2018. They got an 85.4 overall grade, was one of the best linebackers in football as a rookie. His next year, he got a 58, and then this past year was a 50. Now, he's battled through some injuries, but regardless, 85, 58, and 50, I don't really expect him to get better. You know, I think he's done consistently well is pass rush, which he only did eight times in 2020 with one total pressure. Uh, Juwan Bentley was actually a very similar situation, fifth-round pick by the Patriots, 80 overall grade as a rookie, then went to 66 and then 53. He got worse every year. Rashawn Evans, first-round pick, 22 overall, right? Another guy that was fairly hyped. I don't think he was quite as hyped, you know, first first round but late first, one of those guys that people are a little iffy on. But still hyped, right? He's fast, he can fly, 6'2", 232, all that stuff. His first year was his best year, 65, and then he went to 47 and 55. Um, he is a consistent starter for Tennessee, and he's not very good. Jerome Baker, the other guy, and this is, this is the main one that Miami Dolphins fans lose their mind about if I say they have bad linebackers and need linebackers, Jerome Baker. Dude, Jerome, you're an idiot. Jerome is amazing. 70 as a rookie, then 46, and then 55. He's never graded out well in coverage. One good year as a run defender. Since then, he's become horrible. So he went 77, 39, 47. Now, the only thing he did consistently well was tackling, and even that fell off in 2020 down to a 63. So Jerome, and he's 6'2", 215, so his whole thing is flying all over the field. He's never really been that good, aside from maybe his rookie year. And again, he just fell off after that. So again, another example of, so we've had maybe like five guys now that have had one good year, and that's it. Uh, Roquan Smith, a guy that consistently, nobody has ever said he's anything other than an elite linebacker. Bears fans love him. And and he's a little bit different. He he's I do think he's one of those guys that does some things really well. I just don't think that anybody really acknowledges his struggles, right? Because he was so hyped in the beginning. And if you have a reason to not have to say, I guess I was wrong about Roquan, people will, will take that because everybody hypes him up um, and all that stuff. But his overall grades over three years, 66, 52, 67. He's never graded out as good once. Now, where he is quite good is coverage, although in 2019 it was a 55. But in 2018 as a rookie, 72. And then this past year in 2020 was an 84 overall grade, which is real solid. Um, He gave up one touchdown but had two picks and four pass breakups. But his run defense, 51, 53, and 39. But, I mean, that's – and listen, it wasn't hard to see this coming. I said before before the Bears drafted him, it wasn't about the Bears. This isn't just bias. I'm just reading numbers. But even before that, as a prospect, I said I didn't really get the Roquan Smith thing, and I didn't want him because even though he's a prototypical NFL linebacker today and he's doing basically what people want, which is I couldn't care less if, you can, if you're a good run defender. He can tackle, but uh, he can't shed blocks to save his life. He can cover, but this is the guy that got, like, blown backwards by quarterbacks and I said I can't tolerate that if you're a linebacker especially a top 10 pick and you can't make a quarterback go backward they drive you backwards and forget trying to get off of offensive linemen they throw him around like a ragdoll he's 6'1 225 of course so yeah he can get to the edge in a hurry he's a pretty good cover guy but I mean just head to head trying to shed blocks I mean if I think the whole point of the defense is he's not supposed to take on blocks, right? He's supposed to be the guy that comes unblocked. But if you can block him up, he's he's useless. Josie Jewell was kind of liked by a lot of people. Fourth round pick, 61, 68, 66. So, I mean, technically took a jump in year two, but not really. He's been average three years. 
Fred Warner, for some reason, everybody says is amazing. Now, it's possible he just had his first breakout year, but he hasn't been amazing for three years, 64, 63, and 88. Now, I know that there's a ton of people talking about, well, he's the greatest linebacker ever. Well, here's the thing. If 2020 is indicative of who he's going to be in the future, yeah, he's going to be fantastic. And again, it's not because he's a great run defender necessarily, but his coverage grade was a 91. So I saw something yesterday where it said the greatest coverage players in the NFL, and Fred Warner was like number five on the list, which is like, dude, that's a linebacker. That's crazy. But yeah, it was 91 overall grade. Um, 44 receptions, only 329 yards, uh, two, two touchdowns, two interceptions, four pass breakups. And his run defense wasn't terrible. It was a 68. So as far as linebackers go, solid. And his overall grade, again, was an 88. So if he can keep that up, because, again, everybody we've seen up to this point had one good year and then fell off. We'll see. But uh, that's year three. And then you got the guy that I've consistently said is the best linebacker in football. Doesn't get nearly enough credit. But even he is starting to regress or, or has regressed every single year, and that's Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard, as a rookie, was an 81 overall grade. And, and part of the reason I like him is because he's just, he doesn't have one single category in which he's bad. 70 overall run defense, 85 tackling, 73 pass rush, 84 coverage. So green across the board. But 2018, 2019, 2020, his grades are 81, 78, and 70. So he's gone backwards every year. He's been good every year, but if he takes one more step back, he's gone down to average. And, and the worst part about it is if you look at 2020, he started off weeks 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, real good. After that, the only game he played well was Week 17 against Jacksonville. Otherwise, it was 50s, 60s, a 30, and a 40. So I'm concerned that he's he's done, right? I, I just and by done, I mean I think this next year you can expect him comfortably in the 60s. Um, even last year, his run defense was a 67. His coverage was a 67, which still isn't bad. But the thing that kept him up was a 77 tackling and an 80 pass rush. So I mean, it's it's tough, man. Right now, Fred Warner and Darius Leonard are the only guys that seem solid, and I think Darius Leonard is going in the wrong direction, and Fred Warner's had one good year. we got to see if he can keep that up. 2019, obviously, you got Ty Summers. Uh, he didn't play in 2019. His 2020 grade, which was 203 attempts, was a 47, so that's not a glowing endorsement. Uh, Devin Bush for the Pittsburgh Steelers, first-round pick, 10th overall selection. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers actually traded way up to get Devin Bush, his grades over two years, 62 and 59. That's not great. Mac Wilson, who's a guy that I really liked um, because he's just, and, and again, it was one of those guys that I acknowledge he probably is going to struggle a little bit, but he's just, he's a, I mean, I just, I called him Mac truck because he just smokes people, but uh, he didn't go until the fifth round. And for good reason, his grades over two years, 41 and 41. That is a starting linebacker for the Cleveland Browns. Um, TJ Edwards for the Philadelphia Eagles looked like he was maybe kind of promising as an undrafted free agent, didn't play much, but 83 overall grade. They gave him more opportunities, almost 500 snaps in 2020. He had a 66. So again, one promising year and then nothing to this point over three years, Darius Leonard is the only guy with more than one year that has been impressive. Uh, Bobby Okerike, third round pick, another real good rookie year, 78 overall grade, solid cover guy. In 2020, 47.7 with a 52 coverage grade. Then you got my absolute favorite, Devin White, freak of the universe, right? Everybody loves him. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, this guy, man, tell you what, Tampa Bay, one of the greatest linebackers in football. He's so good. He can't be stopped. Great cover guy. He can fly from sideline to sideline. He makes highlight reel type plays, blah, 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 blah. 51 overall grade in 2019, 48 overall grade in 2020. 
57 coverage grade in 2019, 49 coverage grade in 2020. The guy allowed almost 1,000 yards in coverage. Again, this is an example of only highlighting the positive and not looking at the negative. He had two picks and three pass breakups. He's so good. 928 yards given up. Give me a break. 84.6% completion percentage or, or, yeah, reception percentage, whatever. Basically, if you throw at Devin White, you're going to catch it. 104 receptions on 123 attempts for almost 1,000 yards and four touchdowns. Yikes. And run defense grades, give me a break. 46 overall grade and 38 overall grade. Even tackling, which is a gimme. Almost all these linebackers are good tacklers. That's, that's just automatic. He had a 46 overall grade in 2019 and 68 in 2020. He's one of the few guys that really struggles to tackle as a linebacker. Oh, he has so many tackles. Yeah, so did Blake. He had 129 tackles, but he had 19 missed tackles. 10.3% of his tackles are missed. As a linebacker, 10% of the time, 1 in 10, he's going to miss a tackle. It was 13% the year before. This is what you get for the number 5 overall pick in the uh, NFL at linebacker. Then finally, let's look at last year's crop. Kenneth Murray, first-round pick. A lot of guys really liked him, 54 overall grade. And listen, if we hadn't gone through all this other stuff... You look at a 54 overall grade as a rookie, and you go, so what? He's a rookie. Give him time. No, I I 100% get it. But if he has a great career, if he ends up being, you know, 2021, 2022, 2023, in the next five years is um, the next Luke Keekley. which, by the way, if you don't appreciate guys like Luke Keekley yet, who are dominant every single year, you want to talk about freak of the universe. It's so hard to find a Luke Keekley. It's just unbelievable. And yes, that guy graded out great every single year. Dominant. Those guys are just so hard to find. He was basically the only guy doing it, and he's gone now. So Kenneth Murray, first-round pick, nothing so far. He had two good games all year. Two. He had an 81 overall grade against Jacksonville. He had an 84 overall grade against Kansas City. Otherwise, let's see, his next best game was a 67. How about Patrick Queen, my next favorite guy, because he was literally, literally the worst linebacker in football last year. Number 28 overall, guy that I wanted the Packers to get, even though I know, I know linebackers are no good. I still was like, yeah, but that Patrick Queen dude, he's pretty good. I was actually shocked he went all the way to 28 um, in the draft. 29.7 overall grade. 30 coverage grade, 29 run defense, 34 tackling grade. Again, that's the gimme. That's the one that most linebackers, they at least know how to tackle. 34 overall grade. Why? Because he missed almost 20% of the tackles that uh, he had opportunities to make. 20%. He had 79 tackles, 23 missed tackles. He also was giving up 86%. I think that's even higher than, uh, what's his name? 86% of, of times when he was targeted, the receiver caught it. He gave up 554 yards, five, count them, five touchdowns, had one pick and one pass breakup. But go ask somebody on one of the big networks, what do you think of Patrick Queen? Oh, this guy's incredible. He can fly all over the field. He's going to be special. Maybe, maybe he will. He's got the the uh, the ability, but you know what? There's about 15 guys we've talked about that are 6'1", 227 and can fly. And over two, three, four years, they ain't done much. But we'll see. Maybe this number 28 overall pick by the Baltimore Ravens will figure it out. Baltimore's got a good track record of getting these defensive players tuned up. We'll see. I'm not going to count them out. I just, you know, you ask the question specifically so that you know how much of a jump to expect. You tell me, dude. 
And I'm, I'm actually glad you asked because I say so many things about linebackers and I haven't really given this. And maybe this will help you guys understand where I'm coming from with my pessimism toward linebackers and how I talk about, you know, first round picks are kind of wastes for linebackers and really second round pick is the money round. But even then, it's just, it's just, it's so hard. It's so hard. I mean, I, there are more guys drafted in the 2020 draft at wide receiver that are really good than linebackers in the last four years. Isaiah Simmons, the guy was talked about as just, I mean, he's just unbeat. He's, he's unbelievable. We've, we've never seen anybody like him, the way he's built, the way he can move at, at 230. I mean, he's, he could play linebacker and he's a great linebacker. He could literally be a slot corner and he'd be a slot guy. We could probably play him at safety and he'd be a good safety. He, we've never seen anything like him. He couldn't even get on the field. He only had 376 attempts because Arizona's like, yeah, this guy's no good. We can't really play him very much. 59 overall grade, played 376 snaps all year as the number eight overall selection. That's not great. Now, there are some promising things here. For example, he had uh, one, two, three, four good games on the season. So that's good. Again, maybe if I had to pick a guy to take a sophomore jump, it'd probably be Isaiah Simmons, just based on the fact that he really had pretty good games last year. Unlike a lot of guys who it's like they had like one good game all year. But, you know, it is what it is. Then you got Jordan Brooks, which is just the obligatory Seahawks pick. That's a guy that everyone thought was a fifth-round pick until Seattle takes him. And then it's like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, totally first-round pick. But uh, he was a 50 overall grade, which I'm sure shocked a lot of people. 29 coverage grade. 73 run defense, which is great, but kind kind of got that backwards if you're trying to look for a linebacker in the first round. Akeem Davis-Gaither, fourth-round pick, 40 overall grade, so that's cool. Anfordy Jennings, the Patriots pick, because obviously the Patriots never miss, uh, 54 overall grade. Willie Gay, second-round pick, uh, 68, which normally wouldn't be all that impressive, but considering what we've seen so far, I mean, I'll take it. Actually, the guy, about half the year was pretty solid. He only played 269 attempts, so he didn't get a ton of opportunities, but again, there's that second-round money round. He, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games where he graded out quite well. Almost had a 70 overall grade. Unfortunately, he had some really, really uh, terrible games, which brought his grade down. Didn't grade out well in terms of 70 or higher in any one category, although he's very close in coverage and run defense. Uh, Troy Dye, somebody that a lot of people really, really liked. He was a fourth-round pick, 28 overall grade. It's also great because you hear these names and you just – dump them after the draft, right? We fall in love with these guys. They go somewhere else and we don't pay attention. Now you get to hear it and, and live with the fact that I thought this guy was going to be great and he's terrible. Troy Dye, a lot of people really liked him. Fourth round grade, 28 overall, 29 run defense, 37 coverage. His best game overall was a 61 overall grade. From there, it went 61, 58, 48. When 48 is your third best game of the season, you had a real bad year. Troy Dye, by the way, is a Viking, so you don't have to feel too bad about it if you like them. You can move on. Then you got Zach Bond, third-round pick um, by the Saints. Three good games, massive amount of average, and then two really bad games. Didn't play very much, 65 overall grade. Other than that, you got your two Packers, Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes. And again, everybody loves Chris Barnes, but let's just look at it. In the context of everything we've talked about, as a rookie, 43 overall grade, 51 run defense, 40 coverage. So... You know, and he's an undrafted free agent. So when Packer fans start popping off about how good Chris Barnes is, it's like, dude, 
I don't know. I mean, I can understand some optimism for some of the guys on teams where it's like, okay, it wasn't great, but he was a first-round pick or whatever. But you're going to go out there and talk to other fans about this undrafted free agent who had a 43 overall grade and how he's going to be a good linebacker and stuff, and it's like, just just maybe keep it down until he does something. You know what I mean? One touchdown, no interceptions, one pass break. Give up 326 yards, you know, with... 500 attempts, you know, it's just, it's not great. Decent tackler. I mean, 75 overall grade. Again, that's a gimme. His pass rush grade was a 56, so that wasn't great. So, again, it's a maybe. He had three good games on the season. Carolina, Minnesota, Detroit. Fourth best game was a 63. From there, it went 62, 55. So, below 60, right? You have uh, the divisional game against L.A., You've got a 51 grade against Atlanta, 46 against Tampa Bay in the champion in the obviously championship game, 45 against Tennessee, 44 against Houston, 42 against Minnesota, 40 against San Francisco, 30 against Tampa Bay, 28 against Detroit. Why am I not super excited about Chris Barnes like everybody else? Gee, I don't know. Again, undrafted free agent with a 43 overall grade. You guys need to relax because you, you you guys do this every year with a different linebacker, right? Ty Summers, come on, man. Would you? And the only guy that actually does something, Kamal Martin. And again, the reason I like Kamal is because it was kind of shocking. He was a 68 overall grade, which isn't quite 70, but he's a fifth-round pick. He was, I think, the second-best, second-highest-graded linebacker of the entire draft class. But here's the other thing. Half of the season was good. His grade's in order. 83, 78, 77, 76, 74, and 70. He only played 208 snaps. After that, it was a 60, a 60, a 54, 51, 34, and 33. So we had two really bad games against Chicago and, of course, against Tampa in the, division, in the championship game, because obviously. But Detroit, 83 overall grade. Indy, 78. Houston, 77. Chicago, 76. Carolina, 74. Tennessee, 70. I mean, it's, it's one thing, and a lot of these guys, when they've got 60s or 70s or whatever, it's, it's, it's one thing to have, like, 190 and 170, and then mostly 60s and some 50s. Like, that's that's kind of an inflated grade. But when half the season, when you earned a 68 because half your season was just you being a really good linebacker, that's pretty solid. His his only bad grade in coverage was against Chicago, 45 overall grade. His second worst was a 60. His second worst coverage grade as a 235-pound linebacker who's not a coverage guy was a 60. His overall coverage grade was a 71. He wasn't in coverage a ton, but 73 times he was in coverage. 73 times. He was only targeted 5 of 73 times. He only gave up 36 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, no pass breakups. Now, the biggest weakness here is tackling, which I know is it seems backwards. Like, Chris Barnes is our coverage guy, Kamal is our run defense guy. Well, I mean, he, he wasn't bad as a run defender, but he struggled tackling. And, and it's, it's one of those things where it was a bad grade mostly because of a couple bad games. I mean, it's, if you go by game, it's 81, 78, 77, 73, 73, 71, you know, fine. The problem is he's got four games, 33, 31, 26, 26. So there's four games where he just could not tackle. And to be fair, it's only one miss in each game, but he didn't play very much. So when, you, when you're playing 14 snaps and you miss a tackle, yeah, you missed a massive portion of your possible tackle attempts. So... Anyways, I don't know. I mean, take it for what you will. Do, do I expect big jumps from our guys? No. The only, I think I listed one guy 
who's had multiple good seasons, and that's Darius Leonard, and he's gone backwards every single year. If he can, if he can kick it back in gear, he's he's in my mind the only real good linebacker in the NFL. Now there's other guys with potential. Roquan has has kind of as a coverage guy, he's really taken a, a big step and seems to be good two out of the three years. Fred Warner was dominant in 2020, especially in terms of coverage and whatnot. If he can maintain that, he's going to be good. But um, otherwise, it's like you just look at the landscape. There's just nothing, right? Fred Warner. Denzel Perryman had a good year, but he's been god-awful for a long time and just had one breakout year. Eric Hendricks, two years in a row, has been pretty solid. So maybe he just broke out out of nowhere. Uh, Bobby Wagner is still doing it. I mean, he's been dominant for a super long time. He's, 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 he is, uh, if there's a guy carrying the torch as just one of these guys that's just a dominant linebacker and does it every year, Bobby Wagner's probably that guy because they, they just really don't exist much anymore. Um, and let's see, where, where did he go now? Bobby Wagner. If we look at his career, this guy is, is just incredible. His, so since 2012, 84, 66, 79, 69, 86, 91, 91, 76, 85. He's almost 31 years old. His last year was an 85 overall. Just a super dominant guy. It's mostly run defense, but he's not terrible in coverage. He's just, just massive respect. Because these guys are so rare. It's so rare to find guys that just every year are dominant linebackers. But um, if I didn't crush your optimism, then I guess I failed, and I apologize for that. But that was that was entirely my goal. I don't have a lot of, of expectations. But it also, if, if nothing else, you kind of start to understand why the Packers don't invest a lot in linebacker, because finding these guys, even in the first round, is, is a fool's errand. Now, if you're going to find the next Bobby Wagner, if you're going to find the next Luke Keekley, it's probably going to be one of these first-round guys. So you understand a team wanting to do it because it's, it's super valuable, right? I mean, you, you, you can't even quantify how valuable a guy like Luke Keekley was for that Carolina defense. But it's a, it's a diamond in the rough. It's a needle in a haystack. So anyways, uh, why don't we take a break? That took way longer than I expected, and it's getting kind of late. But we'll take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll look at a few other questions here. Thank you very, very much to Paula Sheridan for that uh, very generous um, housewarming gift. Paula has been, um, there are some people that have just been extremely generous over the years. Anytime there's a need, anytime somebody puts together a GoFundMe or whatever, um, they're there. Um, some people have just been huge supporters on Patreon for a long time, but uh, Paul is always there, and uh, I just I really, really appreciate it. Very much behind the scenes. Like, I don't see her in the Facebook group. I don't see her on Twitter, but she's always there supporting the show, and it's it, it does not go unnoticed. I really do appreciate that. But anyways, remember, we got the Patreon giveaways. I know we're kind of screeching to a halt here. Maybe everybody that was planning on giving has already given, but uh, we're at 225. 75 away, 75 people listening to the sound of my voice that are not Patreon supporters. $1 per month to support the show. It goes a, a long way for me. As I've said, it's only a buck for you, but for me, if everybody listening gave a dollar, it's it's life-changing. So as, a, as an incentive to try to get more people to support the show, we are going to be doing a pretty big giveaway. New supporters, which goes all the way back like a month or two. There's going to be a separate giveaway with some really awesome stuff. We're talking game-worn jer- or uh, signed jerseys, a game-worn jersey patch, like a, a piece of a jersey that Aaron Rodgers wore, uh, signed Alan Lazard helmet, some really cool stuff. And then for every pat- uh, patron, there are uh, Green Bay Packers tickets on the line 
Uh, there's going to be a giveaway, but we've got to get to 300 patrons by the end of week one in order to get there. So please consider it. Think it over. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So the other question I skipped over was Andrew's question. And I I think I get where you're going with this. And I'm sorry if I'm reading too much into it. But let me just read it and then try to answer it. Because it, it is a good question. And it kind of got me thinking a little bit. But it says, describe the total value for our cap over the next four to five years of trading Rodgers and getting three late first round picks. Um the reason I think it's interesting is because one of the things that we forget, and I forget, is that we talk about when we get rid of Aaron Rodgers, it stinks, but we save a ton of money and we get a bunch of talented players. One of the things that I at least forget or forgot is that these guys cost money, and especially first-round picks cost money. So, I mean, obviously you look at a, at, a, at a guy that gets drafted and you say, well, that's not, you know, I mean, you can't even compare a first-round pick contract to what Aaron Rodgers is getting against the cap. Well, I guess that's kind of true, but if we look at it, um, if you look at, for example, Kadarius Tony, middle of the first round guy, 
his contract value is $13.7 million. It's 2.5 this year, and then obviously it goes up, and in 2024, we're talking about $4.3 million. Now, again, that's not terrible. If you get three of those guys at, at a peak, we're talking like $13 million compared to Aaron Rodgers sitting at like, you know, at the end of his contract, 28. What if we move up a little bit? What if we get some earlier picks? Because, you know, obviously you never know. You trade them to a team that uh, is kind of terrible, and say Aaron Rodgers doesn't help them as much as they had hoped or Rodgers gets hurt, or whatever the case may be, and you end up getting some higher picks. Well, Patrick Sertan, for, for an example, his total contract value is $21 million. Uh, year one is about $4 million, and at its peak, $6.6 million. So now we're talking about, w- with three guys around this range, is about, about $20 million. So again, it's always going to be less, unless we end up getting just like number one overall picks, in which case you just deal with the money, I guess. I don't know. I just get over it because <laughs> you're probably talking about, you know, the next great quarterback, whatever. Right. But I mean, you're talking about potentially with those three additional picks and they'll probably be staggered because you're going to get one this year, one next year, one the last. So you have one in year three, one in year two and one in year one. But again, Aaron Rodgers cap hit in 2023 is 28.3 million. So you're saving 28.3. And I would say at worst, we're spending maybe 15. So again, we're going to come out ahead, but it is worth noting that those draft picks are going to cost money. So the biggest savings is 2022 when we're talking $40 million, right? And we're talking about um, probably just one first round pick unless the team has two, but even at the high end, the guy's going to cost like 5 million bucks. So you're saving 35 out of 40. And then the next year you'd have that guy, let's say, goes from five to, I don't know, let's get crazy, and let's say he's worth seven. It was a real high pick. He's worth seven million. And then the next year the guy's worth five. So we're talking $12 million compared to 28. So you're saving the, the full $28 million, but you got to give back 12. So you're saving $16 million. It's still going to be massively helpful. And these are still rookies, even high paid rookies. Um, they're still, you're still saving a massive amount of money. So again, I, I kind of hope I answered your question. As far as our total cap goes, I mean, it, it's it's hard to go, I guess, that far in depth because there's so many moving pieces, including how many guys we keep. Um, but just looking at 2022, we're $34 million in the hole. Um, again, I'm not exactly sure what all is going to happen, but we're talking about Aaron Rodgers. If he doesn't play in 2021, we get a bunch of money back. That about, I think, brings us to about even. We'll have to do some other things. We'll see if they keep kicking the can down the road. You know, if, if Rodgers stays, we at least need to move a lot of that money. But again, you got to remember, if we trade Rodgers, and I, this is there's so much here, I'm sure I'm missing something, but we get back the money from 2021 and we get the savings from 2022. So let's say pre-June 1 trade, you're saving an additional 17. So that, that, just, that already brings us in the clear. So it's something to that effect. And then again, you add in, the one draft pick for five million bucks, so that brings us to twelve-ish or something. I don't, I don't know, but then you move a little bit of money here and there. Obviously, we got a big Devonte hit. We're probably paying Jair. Either way, I think if if Rodgers doesn't play this year, we'll we'll be okay. the The only reason you really got to worry is if Rodgers stays, but then then that just destroys your whole question because we're not talking about additional compensation. So I I think the the cap is basically fixed if we do move Rodgers. Obviously, the biggest issue is talent. You know, do we still have a good team without Aaron Rodgers? But that's that's a question that we gotta we gotta ask ourselves regardless. Even if he stays, there's going to come a day when you gotta ask that question: Are we ready to move on from Aaron Rodgers? Because that day is coming within the next five years, whether we like it or not. Um, let's go through a couple other questions because we only did a few, and there's a lot more. 
Um, but Bob asked a very simple question. Are Packers fans spoiled? Clearly not all of them, but, but I do think there's a... Um, I know some people hate when you generalize, but I'm going to generalize. There, there are sort of character... There, there's a character to a fan base, right? Philly fans are just bad people, right? Some of them, I'm sure, are really nice people. But as a group, they kind of suck. And they're well known for that, and some of them take pride in it, right? If you go there, there's fights all the time because they like to fight people. They threw bottles at Santa Claus, the whole nine yards, right? They're just not good people. Dallas fans are some of the biggest Fairweather fans you'll ever meet. But to their credit, the Fairweather fans stayed Cowboys fans. So they became diehards, and it just, you know, I guess, you know, they spent a lot of money on those Dallas Cowboys uh, starter jackets in the 90s, and they're like, well, I paid like 100 bucks for this. I can't bail now. But they're known for having real big mouths. Every year is their year, the whole thing. Bears fans hate their own team. I mean, it, as I've said, the Bears fans have little man syndrome. They want to be seen as a big city, and they are, and they deserve to be considered a big city, but nobody cares. They're in the Midwest. The coastal elites couldn't care about the Midwest. They're stupid, right? It's all about L.A. It's all about New York, and they're like, dude, we got good food, and they're like, nah, we got good food. Chicago has great food. Nobody acknowledges it. Nobody cares. Like, oh, yeah, you got those hot dog things, right? Like, no, 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 we got great pizza. Like, no, no, that's a casserole. You don't know what you're talking about. Get away from me. Dude, we got great barbecue. Like, no, no, you're up north. You don't know how to do barbecue. They get no respect, and they're mad about it, and they're especially mad at Wisconsin, because people like Wisconsin, right? They're like, oh, yeah, you guys got good food, right? Like burgers and sausage and cheese and stuff, right? And we're like, yeah, yeah, totally, because we're, we're, we're those people that are like, they make fun of us and we laugh about it. Like, yeah, totally, man. You guys wear cheese on your heads, right? Like, yeah, like all day, every day. That's what we, we go to work with cheese on our head. That's, that's true. Yep, that's us. You got us. <laughs> they can't do that in Chicago. They can't, like, make fun of themselves or, or any of that. They, they want to be acknowledged as... So it's the same thing with their sports teams. They expect to be elite, and when their teams suck, they can't handle it. And they will not support their team when they're bad, right? It's, it's you will be awesome and represent us like we deserve to be represented or we will destroy you. So if you listen to Chicago sports radio, it's, people are just mad all the time. Packer fans are spoiled. It's kind of similar to Chicago, but it's different just because... The Packers have been good for so long. It's just sort of what we expect football to be, right? When we watch football, you watch a great quarterback throw all over this other team, and then you win. And so it's become, that's just become what football is. And so it's it's a matter of, like I said, one of, one of the things that's really, I need to get away from myself, that's hard to get away from, is this idea that I watch football stressed. It's not enjoying football, it's, it's stress, right? I like the lead up to football. I love when they win. But watching the game is just stress because I'm just afraid they're going to lose. I watch scared they're going to lose. And then when they don't, it's relief. It's not like, yay, we did it. We pulled it off. It's like, geez, they almost didn't pull it off. He's these guys, man. And, and you see that with the fan, with a lot of people. They're mad after a win because it's like they, they, they almost lost that game. That's unbelievable. That's ridiculous. Like, dude, they won. 13 and 3. Yeah, but they almost lost to this team, this team, this team. So Rodgers looked terrible in that game. Devontae didn't show up in this game. The defense was terrible in that game. Like, dude, they won 13 games. So, yes, Packer fans are spoiled. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. Again, we got a bunch more questions that came through. Keep dropping them in there because, uh, again, we're in peak off season. So, if you come up with a question or even a comment, just find it in the Facebook group. If you're not on Facebook or in the group, shoot it to me on Twitter or whatever, and I'll try to remember to add it to the, the list. But uh, we're going to keep rolling with that. But i got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.